a Bible bookcase. And in that Bible bookcase, it takes the, all the different sections of the Bible. And what we've been doing, we've been just preaching through those different sections of the Bible. And today, we are moving out of the Old Testament and going into the New Testament. And the first section that we have is the Gospels, the good news of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. And, and, and we have these. We have these. If you're new, if you didn't get one of these, I encourage you to stop by the, the media center and grab one. They're free. doesn't cost you a dime. Uh, grab one of these, and it's got on the back of it uh, practical steps, how you can take and let the Word of Christ abide in you, how you can read and study and get it in your heart, and it'll be a blessing to you. I encourage everybody just take one and just slide it on the inside of your Bible that way. Thank you, sir. Is he not awesome? Come on now. I mean, he's just got awesome written all over him. Amen. Come here, Dustin. Some people might not know who you are. Uh, this is Brother Dustin Phillips. He's our church administrator. He is the smart guy of the bunch. He's the one that makes all this work, and, and, uh, and whatever, this is the thing, whatever this brain here dreams up, he's the one that makes it happen. And uh, he's an awesome guy. Amen? Y'all ought to thank God every day for this man right here. We go, we go to conferences and, and we do uh, uh, church seminars and stuff. And, free, and every time we go, you'll have 13 churches trying to hire him away from Alabama. And I told him I'd kneecap him if he left here. Amen? So we thank God for him and his family and what he's been doing. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Church, say amen. amen. Mark chapter number 1. Verse number one. Let's all read it together. It's one little verse. One little verse. Uh, let's read. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's say it again. One more time. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. The word gospel means good news. We're going to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All four Gospels describe Jesus in a different way, and that's what we're going to do today. It's going to be more like a Bible study. I'm going to go into detail about each author, who they are, and what they represent, how they describe Jesus and, and, and their life with him, and uh, what it means to us. So uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us today. Lord, thank you so much for a great spirit. Thank you for an awesome crowd that's just here to grow and learn and hungry for the word and and god i pray that nobody will leave here disappointed i pray as we we dig into the gospels and we study your word i pray that you'll illuminate our mind open our hearts to receive your truth more than anything we ask for your presence and your anointing to be on this word because we can have outlines we can have studies we can have words in front of us but if they're not if they're not anointed if they're not touched with the hand of god it's going to accomplish nothing and I pray for your Holy Spirit to permeate this building. Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. You may be seated. <clears throat> we, come out, we come out of the Old Testament. I'll be honest with you. Last week was depressing. Uh, last week we, we, we studied how the, basically 
the demise of the nation of Israel, the downfall, the disobedience, uh, the despair, the darkness. Uh, we know as we study the Old Testament that when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt, uh, God met with them at Mount Sinai and gave them the, the, the directions to build the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is where God's people met with their God, where a holy God came out of heaven and dwelt among the people and where God, they could come and be in the presence of God. The Shekinah glory, if you will, dwelt in the tabernacle, dwelt in the holy of holies. And then when Solomon built the temple, the holy of holies, uh, there in the, 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 the foundation and the solid temple, uh, we know that the glory of God dwelt there and the high priest would go in and be in the presence of God. But because of the sin, because of the disobedience of the people, that we see the prophet saw the glory departing out of the temple, the glory departing from his people. And there was a time of darkness. There was a time of despair. 400 years between Malachi and Matthew the people lived in darkness but I'm glad as the prophet said the people who were in darkness have saw a great light amen I'm glad that the angels came and they proclaimed with a loud voice oh we've got good news good news good news good news good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior which is christ the lord john said it this way in john 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory preacher what are you saying the glory that departed in the old testament had come back in the news amen in the form of jesus christ you see in the old testament we learned they needed a savior they desperately needed a Savior. In the New Testament, the Savior had arrived. So let's take each book, four books, real quickly. We're going to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew. <clears throat> Who was Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a Jew, uh, but he was a what was called a publican. He was a Jewish tax collector collecting taxes from the Jewish people for the Roman government. So basically, he worked with the ancient IRS. Amen. And just as much as you hate them now, they hated them then. The people looked upon these people as horrible sinners, as traitors, as treasonous people who were working for the Romans. But you see, Matthew was working at his booth one day. He was working, collecting taxes. He was working, doing what he had always done. And somebody came by his way by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And when Jesus came by his way, he said, come and follow me. And Matthew dropped everything. Matthew left everything and began to follow Jesus. Amen. And he, he put on a feast. He put on a party, if you will, threw a big feast for Jesus and invited all of his publican friends. And they came, and Jesus came and met with them. And none of the Jewish people liked it, especially the Jewish religious leaders. They said, what's he doing hanging out with publicans and sinners? Well, I'm glad to know that Jesus came to those who needed him the most. Jesus didn't just come to the religious. He didn't come to those who were not sick. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Who needs a physician? but those that are sick somebody say amen. amen well matthew we find matthew is a follower he's a disciple 
of Christ. And, and now he begins to write, he begins to write his gospel, his good news story of Jesus Christ. And God uses him to describe Jesus in a certain way. <clears throat> and we know his target is primarily a Jewish audience. Why do we say that? Because there were several instances over 60 times he referred to the Old Testament prophecies. All of the prophecies from Genesis to Malachi that were concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. All of the prophecies that said, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. There's coming Emmanuel, God with us. There's coming one who's going to bruise the head of Satan. There's coming one who's got healing in his wings. There's coming one of the house of David. And all through the Old Testament, there was prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. And what we find Matthew doing is revealing to the Jewish people, Jesus Christ is him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We find several words. We find several words here, uh, keywords, if you will. One is fulfilled. Say that with me. Fulfilled. In other words, he's saying Jesus fulfills this man, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Mary, the son of the carpenter. Now, you got to get this. You got to understand he's writing to people who probably grew up with Jesus. He grew up watching him making chairs and tables and, 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 and rocking chairs. Are y'all with me? So he is writing to the Jewish people saying, this man from Nazareth fulfills all of the prophecies. So fulfilled is a key word. Not only is fulfilled a key word, the word kingdom. You find the word kingdom over and over and over again in Matthew. You find the kingdom of God over and over and over in Matthew. You find the word king in Jesus as king over and over in the book of Matthew. So how and what does Matthew want you to know about Jesus? All right, here's your first point. Number one, Matthew is describing Jesus as the king. Say that with me. As the, as the, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? In Matthew chapter number two, verse one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem saying, where is he? That is born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Matthew 27, 37. And they set up over his head, while this is on his, his, his sign on the cross as he hung on the cross. They set up over his head this accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Now, we find in Matthew concerning the king, his lineage and his birth, the search for the king, the herald of the king, the proclamation of the king, the words and the works of the king, his power, the king's power over natural forces and disease, the triumphal entry of the king into the capital, the king's rejection, the king's betrayal, the king's crucifixion, the king's resurrection, say amen. And last of all, the king's commission, the king's commission, Matthew 28. What are you saying? I'm saying I work for a king. I love the old song we used to sing when I was growing up. When he sang it again, I came on business for the king. How many of y'all remember that song? Anybody remember that song? Lord, have mercy. We need to teach everybody and hear that song. You know why? Whether you're a plumber, whether you're a painter, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a dentist, it doesn't matter who you are, you work for a king. If you belong to the Lord, if you are saved and you're a child of God, you serve a king. 
And what Matthew is wanting the Jewish people to know and to understand that this Messiah that we've been waiting on, this hero that we've been longing for, this king that we have been looking for, he is here. Jesus is the king. Give him praise and glory and honor. Amen. He's the king. He's the king. We see his genealogy, and Matthew re re records the genealogy in such a way that you see he is of royal bloodline. He is of the lineage of David. He has a rightful, and he is a rightful heir to the throne of Israel. Amen. All right, Mark. <coughs> That's Matthew. Matthew shows and describes Jesus as the king. Then, then Mark, number two. Mark. Uh, Mark, he, he, is a, he, is, he is described... Uh, he is described in, throughout more in the in, in through the Pauline epistles. We know that Mark was a kinfolk to Barnabas, and 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 there was a situation that come arise, and, and he's basically known as John Mark, uh, and 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 he had a little issue with Paul, and and Paul didn't want him going with one of the missionary journeys. So Paul and Barnabas, excuse me, uh, 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 Mark and Barnabas went, and then and then Paul and Luke and Paul and Silas went, and they separated, and so forth and so on. But then they were reconciled together. This is the Mark. This is who we're talking about. He was a he was a close companion to Peter. Some some scholars, some some Bible scholars believe that that a lot of the material that that Mark uses in his gospel was 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 influenced by the Apostle Peter, and that's good because the Apostle Peter was one of the inner circles. Say Amen, right there. We'll hear about that in a minute. But what did <clears throat> what did Mark? How did he describe him? His gospel is not near as long as the others. Mark didn't include a lot of the prophecies. He didn't talk about a lot of the prophecies concerning the king. He didn't even include, he didn't even include a lot of the teachings, the discourses of Jesus, because Jesus did a lot of teaching. He didn't even include a lot of them. But his gospel is filled with the works of Jesus. All of his service, all of the deeds that he did. Why? As, Ma as Matthew was describing and explaining to you Jesus as the king, Mark is describing Jesus as the servant. Say that with me, as the, as the servant. The Bible says in Matthew, <clears throat> excuse me, in Mark, in Mark chapter number 10, in Mark chapter number 10, uh, you... <laughs> The disciples, the disciples were kind of like us. They were stubborn and hard-headed. Uh, uh, I was going to say, look at your neighbor and tell them you're stubborn, but don't do that. Amen. That's, that only works on TV. Amen. Uh, how many of y'all have been stubborn before in your life? Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. The disciples were incredibly stubborn. I mean, I mean, they're walking with Jesus. Jesus, the water walker, turns water into wine, heals lame people raises dead people from the dead somebody say amen. amen they're walking with him i mean i can understand walking with a great teacher a bible teacher and all that but this is god in the flesh and they still acted ignorant stubborn after after three years walking with jesus they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest Who's going, who's going to be the best? Who's going to be, you know, because they're, they're looking for Jesus to set up his kingdom and they're going to rule with him and all this. And, and they even got so bad that one of the mothers, one of the mothers, uh, James and John said, uh, Mama, I mean, it's bad when you get your mama to go to Jesus for you. Amen. 
came to Jesus and said, uh, would you let one son sit on the right hand and one sit on the left hand? Well, when the other disciples heard that, that ticked them off. They were mad. And now so they're all fussing over this. And Can you imagine Jesus' face? That's what brings up to this verse. He said, look, guys, here in this earth, here in this earth, great people, great people are served here on this earth. People think you're great if somebody is serving you. But watch what he says. But so shall it be, or so shall it not be among you, Mark 10, 43. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, your servant. And whosoever of you will be chiefest shall be, shall be, well, we don't even like to use the word, do we? Shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Isn't it, an, isn't it an awesome thing that even though he was king, he served? Listen, let me, let me go further than that. He, not just king, he was God. God. Right before, hours, hours before his betrayal before his crucifixion they're still arguing over even after this teaching so Jesus takes off his coat his outer garment he takes off his outer garment and girds himself with a towel and he gets down and washes the disciples feet and you know what Mark is wanting everybody to see he was the king but I want you to see he acted as a servant he even said this. You know, one of them said, I want to go where you are. Jesus said, hey, the birds have nests. Foxes have holes. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. He said, I don't have nothing. Do you realize Jesus never purchased anything on this earth but you? Amen? So Mark, Mark is describing, he, he, is, he, is, he is primarily speaking to Gentiles. He is primarily speaking to the Roman audience. And you see, this is, this is why this is important. Because in Roman culture, in Roman culture, it was, it was not good to be servant. That was lowly. That was too low on the totem pole. They were, they were, they were not even, they were almost on the same level as animals in their minds. In other words, the servants or the slaves were almost on the level of, of, of pets. Now, can you imagine the Roman people as they said that the king acted as a servant? You know what I think that teaches us? If we're going to be great, and if we're going to be like Jesus, we're going to have to learn to serve. Are y'all with me? Listen, let's look at Luke. Luke is really cool. <clears throat> Luke, he was a physician. He was a doctor. He was a doctor. He traveled with Paul on Paul's missionary journeys. Uh, uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts and the, the gospel of Luke. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I'm not bored, nobody, am I? Help me, help me. I hope not because this is good stuff. Uh, Luke traveled with Paul and, and, and saw a lot of the, the exciting things as they were starting churches all over the Mediterranean. And, and, uh, and Luke is known as the beloved physician. The beloved physician he was trained as a doctor he was trained in that type of art and and we know 
and he's named three times. He's named three times in the New Testament, in Colossians 4, in 2 Timothy 4, and in Philemon, verse 24. He wrote and traveled with Paul. He was probably a Gentile and was trained as a physician. No wonder he began his book with detailed accounts of the births of two important babies. And we know that as John Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. No wonder he emphasized Christ's sympathy for hurting people. He wrote with the mind of a careful historian and with the heart of a loving physician. The target, who was he writing to? According to the letters, he's writing to a person named Theophilus. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Theophilus or even if he was a believer, but Luke's salutation suggests that he may have been an important Roman official. Likely, Theophilus was a Christian or at least a seeker who was carefully studying the Christian faith. Luke wrote his gospel for the Greeks and introduced them to the sympathetic Son of God. If ever, here's the purpose. Why did he write the book? If ever a man wrote a book filled with good news for everybody, Dr. Luke was that man. His key message is for the Son of Man is to come to seek and to save that which was lost. He presents Jesus Christ as the compassionate Son of Man who came to live among sinners, love sinners, help sinners, die for sinners. In this gospel, you meet the individuals as well as crowds, women and children as well as men, poor people as well as rich people, sinners along with saints. It's a book with a message for everybody because Luke's emphasis is on the universality of Jesus Christ and his salvation. Luke 2.10, as the, the, the angels announced this, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to which shall be to all people. Luke portrays Jesus as the remedy for the world's ills, emphasizing his perfect humanity and the humane concern for the weak, the suffering, and the outcast. So here we have Matthew. He described Jesus as the king. All right, repeat that back to me. Matthew describes Jesus as the... Uh, Mark describes Jesus as the... Now, we find Luke describing Jesus as the Son of Man. Say that with me. The Son of Man. What is he wanting to emphasize? Jesus' humanity. Jesus' humanity. He was all God. He was the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was God, but He was all man. He, had, he has DNA like you and me. He has molecules just like you and me. He has blood flowing through his veins just like you and me. He got tired just like you and me. He got hungry just like you and me. He got weary just like you and me. He was tempted just like you and me. He came and became what we are so one day we could be where he is. Somebody say amen. And Luke wanted you to see the humanity of Christ. He's not only God, he is your friend. Oh, oh, we got to understand why important and how important this is to our life here on this earth because he was who he was, because he did what he did, because he came and experienced what he experienced. He knows what we're going through. He knows what it feels like to hurt. He knows what it feels like to be frustrated. He knows what 
it feels like to be sad. He knows what it feels like to have pain and to lose a loved one. And because he knows all of that, he can be a sympathetic Savior. Somebody say amen. You see, when he walked into that room, we find one of his friends, one of his good friends, one of his best friends, Lazarus, had died. And he walks into the room and the whole crowd is crying. The whole crowd is grieving. The whole crowd is upset and broken. And they're weeping over the loss of their friend. And the shortest verse in the Bible teaches as it says, Jesus wept. What was he doing? He was saying, I feel your pain. I experience what you experience. I am sympathizing with your suffering. They said, oh, he's crying because Lazarus died. No, 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 no. You don't understand because in just a few moments, he was going to walk into that graveyard and he was going to call Lazarus forth and he was going to rise from the dead. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the suffering and the sorrow of the people that he was ministering to. And I'm so glad to know that I've got a friend in Jesus. I'm so glad to know that I've got a Savior who knows how I feel. He knows when I'm broken. He knows when I'm discouraged. And because of his humanity, he can meet my need. Can we give him glory and praise today? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Luke says he's, he's man. He's human. I can see. I can see Jesus it's, it's great to use your imagination when you're reading the Bible. I can see Jesus sitting there on the rock. He's sitting there, and he's ministering, and people are all around. And all of a sudden, all these little rug rats come around. All these little ankle bites, say amen. And all these little children come, and they start, they start to, and, and, and all the disciples say, Shh, get, get, what, get, out, get, can't you control your children? <laughs> kind of like we feel in Walmart sometimes, amen. <laughs> and there's two things really in this story we learned about Jesus. One, he got ticked off at his disciples. He did. Read it, read it in context. He was angry with them. What does that mean? Jesus cares about the little people. People wonder why we spend so much money and we do all that we do. You see, I grew up. I grew up kind of in a, in a different a different mentality, a different mentality to the point that uh, you you spend all the money on the adults and and the children just. Well, you know what? Jesus wasn't really all about that. He cared about them little people to the point that he said, "If you offend one of these little ones, it's best for you to put a rock around your neck and jump into the ocean." That's in the Bible. I'm not misquoting it. That's what he said. He said millstone. That means big rock. Amen? And he said, he said this, suffer the little children. Suffer the little children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of God. And I can see him sitting on that rock, little monkeys just crawling all over the place. I mean, I'm just, he's just having to peel them off of him, you know? And him sitting there grinning, loving it. Can you see Jesus in his humanity? Sometimes all we can do when we read the Bible is see him as the powerful force saying, peace be still, or, or, or the force that heals the blind. But can you just see him chilling out with people? Hanging with them at, at the weddings and the parties and being a friend's friend? That's what Luke wanted you to see. Luke wanted you to see that he was human. He wanted you to see him in his humanity. And he describes him not as the king, not as a servant, 
but as the Son of Man. He came to help those who couldn't help themselves. And all God's people say it. Lastly, lastly, John. <clears throat> John. He, see, his is different. Now we know, let me describe John. Let me tell you about the author. This is John the disciple. Uh, this is James and John. The, we put them together. They're brothers. They were the fishermen. Y'all remember when Jesus was going and he called the fishermen and they, they left their nets, they left their boats and come to follow him. Uh, sons of thunder, you know, sometimes they put their foot in their mouth all the way to the kneecaps, amen. But John was closer to him than any of them. John was not just any ordinary disciple. John was one of the inner three, Peter, James, and John. The inner circle. You, know, you remember what I'm talking about? Peter, James, and John went with him. They were the closest to Jesus. They went with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They went with him in the room when they healed the dead person. Y'all remember when Jesus called the dead person back? And then, and then he went with them in the garden. You remember when he left the disciples and said, hey, y'all pray for me? Peter, James, John, y'all come on with me because they were the closest to him. They went a little further and he commanded them to pray. But even in the inner circle between the inner three, John was closest of any of them. It was described of John, he was described this way, the disciple that Jesus loved. Hey, he would lay his head on the chest of Christ just to hear his heartbeat. He was that close to the Lord. Matter of fact, this is a, this is a cool little deal. Uh, remember, remember when they were in the upper room at the Last Supper? And, and when they were in the upper room at the Last Supper, and, and, uh, and Jesus said, now one of y'all are going to betray me. One of y'all going to betray me. And you know what all of them did? Is it me? Is it me? Are you recognizing? It? You know, all of them but John. Because John knew it wasn't him. And, it, and he was so close to Jesus that the other said, hey, you ask him. Who do you get to go ask the one, the one closest to him? So all the disciples asked John and said, John, you ask him. You the closest to him. You know he likes you. <laughs> Y'all with me? That's who we're talking about. John. You see, John was close to Jesus. John wasn't martyred, by the way, either. He was one of the only ones that was not martyred. He was put in exile, but he was not martyred like the rest of them. He was special. Do you realize that Jesus entrusted John with his own mama? Now, when you put your own mama in his hands, you trust that dude. Say amen. You remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? And he told him, all right, now, John, now you're her son. Now, now Mary, he's going to take care of you from now on. And Jesus entrusted Mary, his own mother, to John. John is a writer, and he doesn't write like the rest of them. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. Synoptic meaning synonymous. They're, they're close to the same. They're close to identical. But John did something different. He went to all of the miracles that Jesus did, and he picked out seven of them. Seven of them. And he calls them signs. Say that with me. He calls them signs. Now, what that means is there is a message behind the miracle in other words he's not just saying hey let me tell you what jesus did he is telling you a miracle and describing a miracle and then john will give the message behind the miracle in other words what jesus is trying to teach you by this miracle do you realize jesus didn't just go all over this earth just doing miracles for no reason he had a reason and a message behind it for instance all all four 
of the Gospels give the story of the feeding of the 5,000. But only John gives the sermon that Jesus gave after the feeding of the 5,000, the sermon about the bread of life. If that makes sense, say amen. So when you read the book of John, you will find out that he picks out certain miracles to teach you a message about who Jesus was. And who was that? He was the Son of God. Matthew teaches us that Jesus was the King. Mark teaches us that Jesus was the servant. Luke teaches us that Jesus was the Son of Man. But John teaches us that he was the Son of God. He was not just another counselor. He was not just another healer. He was not just a good prophet. He was not just a teacher. He was God in the flesh. He, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Somebody say amen. amen. Why did he do all that? John sums up his whole book in two verses. Put those verses up, if you will. John 20, John 20, verse 30. Now, I want to do this. I want to sum up the whole deal today, okay? I want to sum up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in these two verses because you can, because you can. He's basically summing up the book of John, but we can sum up all four Gospels, the good news of Jesus in these verses. Look what it says. Look what it says. Read it with me. And many other... All right, what do we say that meant? There's a message behind the miracle. There's a message behind the miracle. Many signs, truly, read it with me, truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Do you know what the Word says? The Word teaches us that the books of this world could not contain all the things that Jesus did. He did more than turn water into wine. He did more than walk on water. He did more than heal the dead. He did more than heal the sick. He did more than heal the lame. He did more than heal the blind. He did all kinds of things, John says. But, but, he said, I could write about a bunch of them, but these are written. There's primarily seven of them, all right? But these are written, read it with me, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason that we have the four Gospels, and we have four painters painting an image of the Son of God, is so that you'll believe that he's the Christ. And by believing that he's the Christ, you will have life through his name. Richard, what are you saying? I'm saying you can't get to heaven with Muhammad. You can't get to heaven with Allah. And Allah ain't Jehovah. I don't care what these freaks are trying to say right now, that it ain't the same God. It's not the same God. You can't get to heaven with Confucius. You can't get to heaven with Buddha. You can't get to heaven with any other name. Peter said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, but by the name of Jesus Christ, whose name is above every name, whose name that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. That's him. Your Savior is a king. 
Your Savior is an incredible servant. Your Savior is so compassionate in his humanity that he can feel your hurt and your pain and your sorrow and your needs. He feels what you feel. But your Savior is God. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. He's all-knowing. He might be so much man that he slept in a boat, but he's so much God, he walked on the bow of that boat and said, Peace, be still. And he calmed the winds and the waves. I'm telling you, there's not a friend like our lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Who else? Oh, the song says it so well. Who else knows all about our trouble? Who else knows all about our problems? Who else can meet our need when we have need? Nobody but Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know him, we're going to have folks right now at this altar. Right now at this altar, there's going to be people that can take a Bible and introduce you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I want you to be as still as possible unless you've got something to do. Be as still as possible because there's some people who need to meet Jesus today. You need to meet the Lord today. And if you are already saved, you need to be thankful for who he is to you. You need to be thankful that he is your friend. You need to be thankful that he is your Savior. And you ought to use this time to praise him and adore him in this song of invitation. And all God's people say it. Father, in Jesus' name, oh, help us to appreciate you. Help us to appreciate who you are. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, I pray in Jesus' name that you will please save the lost. I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray today would be the day they would believe on you with all of their heart. They would walk down that aisle and, Lord, let us take a Bible and show them how to be saved today. And God will praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. This is a verse of invitation. If you need to come, if you need to come as we sing. Without him, I would I could, I could do, nothing. do nothing. It's all about Jesus. That's what the Bible and says. From the beginning him, to the end. I it's 